Good morning. Today I want to dedicate this talk, although it may seem to have absolutely nothing to do with, to a great spiritual teacher, Martin Luther King, Jr. Everyone, of course, is aware of his remarkable life and leadership and dedication to true freedom. So I will not speak specifically about him, but rather convey in what I have to say, I hope something that honors his liberated spirit. Recently, I was in a meeting with some Sangha members and the topic came up about whether or not Zen is a religion. Very interesting topic. I'm sure everyone has thought about it before. Particularly, this comes up when Zen practitioners are thinking about how others who are not practitioners view Zen, right? Like, how do I explain this? or especially if you come from a family that is strongly identified with another faith tradition, which I would say probably 99% of this group does, right? How many of you came from a family in which uh, the prevailing sentiment was either agnostic or atheist? Yes, I too, my family also, believed that it was a choice and that you had to ask the question, what is this? Why? Why do people practice this? What is this doctrine? What is religious faith? So to ask all these questions, uh, rather than be given something that was expected to be swallowed whole, left uh, me, and I imagine you, in a kind of minority huh? among friends. Like, I remember being in uh, fourth grade, and we lived in the country, so at fourth grade time, my parents took me out of my two-room schoolhouse with an outhouse and coal stove and decided I should be put in some sort of quote-unquote civilized school situation. It was a big mistake. Well, anyway, so I went to school in town from fourth grade. <clears throat> and the first thing I realized was that I didn't fit in in any way, shape, or form. And the real, the real recognition of this came about when people said, what church do you go to? 
And my parents had run away from the Jewish ghetto of Brooklyn. First they ran all the way to New Mexico and then coming back, we passed this place in New Jersey and they bought it. But you know, what church do you go to? I, it's the assumption, everybody goes to church and everybody goes to the church in town you know, either on this street or on that street, there were maybe four churches, it was a small town. But you had to be a member of one of them. So all of you know what I'm saying because you came from families evidently where it wasn't a question. It was just assumed that you would ascribe to certain religious beliefs. So far, yes? Not exactly. Not exactly. Okay, so you were sort of leaning in a little bit Unitarian, right? right. Okay, a little more like her. So Jisho and Fugan, um, Unitarian question mark, right? Nonetheless, membership, attendance, right? We didn't go to church. We didn't go to synagogue. We didn't have any membership anywhere. So I was like, oh, what am I going to do? How do I fit in? I still thought at that point that that was possible. And so my best friend was Catholic and wanted to become a nun. So I started going to church with her. And it was quite wonderful, but not mine. And my parents were very, you know, open. I could go to various people's places. But so when we think about, is Zen a religion? And we compare it in our minds to the religions of our, um, I don't know, for some of you it may be of family background, for some of you it may be current involvement we tend to want to tell people that Zen Buddhism is not a religion in the sense of um, supplanting the religion of our family or youth or membership currently, right? No, Zen is not a threat, we say, in our minds. Oh, it's okay, Mom. And so in this group of people, there was this kind of, no, Zen is not a religion, is it? Feeling, because how can we go out into the community and talk about the Zen Center as a wonderful place to support if we don't reassure people that it's not going to take congregation members away from them? I mean, this is all quite venal. Right? This business of being pragmatic and looking at it as, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Reassuring. It's not a religion. Well, it isn't a religion. Zen Buddhism, or even Buddhism, Vipassana Buddhism, uh, the, the heart of Buddhism, even Vajrayana Buddhism is not a religion in one very important sense, which is what? What did the Buddha teach? 
Eh? There's no doctrine. There's no doctrine. Well, that, in a way, the Buddha did not teach, but Bodhidharma certainly said that, or is supposed to have said that legendarily. What did the Buddha teach? The, the Buddha is contained in all sentient beings, is not outside. Mm. In Christianity, there is a God. So how do we start our morning service? Atadipa, right? Atadipa, what does this mean? This was what is said to have been Shakyamuni Buddha's last words when his disciples gathered around in such grief. There's nothing you have to write down that I said. There's no dogma. Just remember this. You are the light. You are the light itself. There is no other light. There is no one who can tell you what to believe. As soon as you make it into a belief system, it's no longer the truth. Truth is beyond belief. When we say the word belief, we are talking about you know, system, beyond belief system. Of course, that is not to say that there is not trust, that there is not faith. So, words are tricky, okay? When I use the word belief, I'm talking about belief in the sense of a system, a dogma. What we can say, believe in this. Believe. Ahatatipa. This is it. And then, so if we say that, is this not religion? This is true religion. To hear these words and feel them resonate from somewhere in way deep, way past, far beyond. Atadipa. There's something that inside you that says, yes. Even though, rationally speaking, you say no. Right? No, I'm not yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, this is true too. From relative point of view, definitely not. But fundamentally, yes. And this is why people keep coming. There's this fundamental feeling of, yes, which is no different from Joshu's mo. Radical no. Okay, radical no dogma. No anything that someone else says that I have to remember and write it down and follow it, no. So several of you are going to be starting today with taking precepts, uh, preparation for taking precepts. We'll have our first class at one. And so this question, is Zen Buddhism, you know, drop the Zen, is Buddhism a religion, is very important. We are taking precepts. We are becoming followers of the way, followers of the Buddha way. Right? OK. 
cannot say, oh, it's just some sort of, you know, oh, this feels nice, I'll, I don't have to believe anything, I don't have to do anything, you know. American New Age bullshit. No, we are taking precepts. This is really the depth of what we mean by religion. True religion, Buddhism. And I wanted to read something. Many years ago, this book came out, Rinzai Zen Study for Foreigners in Japan by Ruth Fuller Sasaki. And she became a prominent uh, woman in Zen establishment, first Zen Institute in Japan and New York City, married to Sasaki Roshi and, uh, in New York, and early translator of many important works, including Rinzai Roku. Anyway, she says, this is basically, this book is about, is warning you, watch out. You think you want to study Zen? Watch out. <laughs> Especially if you want to go to Japan. Oh yeah, I think I'll go to Japan and do some monastic training. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> she says, um, if you approach Zen study to get from it something you can adapt and use for your own purposes, you may get something. But what you get will be merely the outer husk of Zen. You will never know its living heart. To those of you who, though wholly or partially committed to some Western religious persuasion, feel you might reach a deeper understanding of your own faith through Zen study, I should like to say this. If you approach Zen, treasuring and clinging to your orthodox religious beliefs, beware. For a time, you may find them clarified, even illumined by your Zen practice, but the day will inevitably come when you will have to choose. You may delude yourself into thinking you can make a satisfactory synthesis but real Zen is ruthless and uncompromising. It's a good line, huh? Ruthless and uncompromising. It is a two-edged sword that destroys life and gives life. Before the great life arises, the great death must be experienced. And when the great death strikes, nothing remains. Only when all you have believed, clung to, supported yourself by, cherished, is swept away, do you come to know what the great life of Zen is. Truly wonderful pithy heart of the teaching right there. This book came out in, I think, 1950, 60. This is really a wonderful thing about this practice. Only when all you have believed, clung to, supported yourself by, cherished, is swept away. All of us earlier, chanting, 
Kanzeo. One with the great compassionate one. And then finishing with one shout of Mu. Each person this radical sweeping away, even sweeping away Kanzeon, sweeping away any concept of Bodhisattva, any concept of compassion. Just each person unique, one with this shout. Someone was talking to me recently about how difficult it is to make a transition from monastic living to temple and secular world living. And I was thinking, yes, transitions are really hard. It's very difficult when we leave secular life, quote-unquote, to go to live in monastery, especially in Japan, as our member, Hoenji member Gozan, Paul Warden, is now doing. He's been ordained and is living at Koonji. Kosan, who used to be the head monk there, will be coming back here again for this session that starts in a few days here. Living in that circumstance, I recently received an email from him. It's the coldest winter they've had in Japan since, I think he said, 1946. And it's brutal. There is nowhere to get warm. Nowhere. There's a small charcoal thing that is in the Roshi's room and the head monk's room. That's it. There is no other source of heat except your zazen. So, as we complain here, oh, winter's back, think about Gozan and send him your warm heart. So, anyway, transitions. Trying not to lose my train of thought. I have this very stiff neck, so I'm taking muscle relaxant, which makes me feel so <laughs> out of it. But anyway, we'll try to keep to the topic here, which is transition. A transition is always difficult. Fugan came back from Spain. We're so happy you're back. You know, when we have this kind of sincere motivation and good training, then the unpredictable is fine. No problem. Come to the Zenda. Oh, you'll have to be Eno today. <laughs> I haven't been Eno since when? A year and a half ago? No problem. Didn't say a word, right? Just got over there. You know, lead the chanting, no problem. If we think, oh, new officers are now taking their turn for this coming year once January session ends, 
and there will be some kind of, you know, difficult people learning process and people who were doing something else now have to do this or not anything. And transition is hard. Get attached to your position. You have to learn something. Now everybody will see how terrible you are. Everybody identifies, you know, with doing it right so that nobody will know how secretly incompetent they are. All this kind of feeling, natural. Transition, again, I'll point to Fugan, he's going to become a dad. Soon, a few months. At the end of March. End of March. Big transition. And also big transition when they grow up. My son was 25, January 8th, lives in LA, married. So all these transitions, always difficult. And why? What makes them so difficult? Because you're always dwelling in the past, dwelling in the future, thinking, oh, it was much better there. Chimon got to DBZ and he was like, oh, Hoenji's song is so much better. <laughs> now he's back from DBZ. Oh, DBZ, now I can understand how wonderful it was. <laughs> Always we are like, oh, if only. This is the source of our suffering, right? Always being drawn into some fiction about the way things were, right? The way things were. It has a ring to it. This um, being drawn into the past or projecting into the future, thinking, oh, what's it going to be like? It's going to be this and that and the other thing. What, what happens with this is everything that we are either drawn back to or drawn ahead to revolves around a kind of weird, um, narrow, kind of straightened, very... Uh, kind of rigid sense of the self, right? This fiction. This fiction that we've created. The self, what do I need? What was good for me? What, what's going to be better? Ah. This narrow viewpoint, the blinders that this narrow viewpoint create, these blinders keep us from what? Anything you want to say. <laughs> Anything. Whatever you say is it. That's the point. Whatever you say is it. Whatever you do is it. Whatever is happening is it. When you're not drawn back into, oh, it should have been, or drawn ahead into, oh, it's going to be. Right? Being a dad is going to be terrific. It's going to be horrible, too. But it will be just what it is. 
which from your practice you will find truly wondrous. So you all know, speaking of religion, the um, verse, God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. Right? Who said that? No? Nobody knows? Okay. You can look it up. God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. What does this mean? God's in his heaven. What does that imply? It's not here. No. What does it imply? God's in his heaven. Right? But what does it imply? If God if you have to say God's in his heaven, what does that imply? Pardon? Yeah, but what does it imply? There is a God, and there is a The second part, all's right with the world, implies, okay, yeah, okay, phew, thank God. Right? But what does it imply to say God's in his heaven? Huh? We are. Oh, close. It implies... Stop worrying about it. All's right with the world is that... It implies that maybe sometimes he's not. The experience of God's in his heaven, all's right with the world, implies that sometimes it's not. Right? It's not all right. The reason you can say that and feel, oh, this is not the way you normally feel. You meaning, you know, this Saha world. You meaning samsara, okay? God's in his heaven, all's right with the world, is a sharply pointed feeling of oneness, an experience of oneness, isn't it? When that verse, when you read that you, and you feel that, it's no different from atatipa, from feeling that. You are the light. Complete, whole, just what Buddha said upon his awakening. Wonderful, all beings and I together are perfect and complete. God's in his heaven. All's right with the world. So what makes it that God's not in his heaven? Uh-huh. Our thoughts and feelings. Our self-absorbed ideas about what's going to be good for us. In other words, past, future. Not being with it. Having this kind of self-identity fixation keep us from in his heaven. All's right with the world. Could not be otherwise, in other words, right? Put it in Zen saying. Always, all 
already. This is it. Could not be otherwise. We always think it could be otherwise. It should be otherwise. I don't like this. Something's wrong. What's wrong? Everybody has something they can say about what's wrong. But does it help? So the point is, just what she said, you know, this last paragraph of what I read you. Only when all you have believed, clung to, what's wrong? Supported yourself by, I know what I need to get to make myself feel better. Cherished self, right? The main thing we cherish is the self. Is there anything you cherish more than the self? Even the loved ones that you have in your life are seen through a filter of self. If not, you wouldn't ever have an argument. How can you argue? What's to argue about? Really? Swept away. Swept away. No self. This is what we just read, right? Today, right before, we said, and testify to the truth that self-nature is no nature. This self-nature, capital S, capital N, you know, because words are so misleading, we have to use little devices. Self-nature, true self, is no nature. There is nothing to cling to. How can you have an argument? You can't. So, is Zen a religion? Everybody wants to argue about that. You know, people want to know about it. They want to know about it in a way that they can show you that you probably shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> so, no, it's not a religion. Okay. Yes, it's a religion. Okay. So then I have one more thing to quote to you from this book, which I hadn't read for many years, so it's kind of fun to pick it up. And she's now telling you, be careful if you go to Japan, um, that you, the, the, the worst thing you can do is bring your view of what Zen is with you. A Western Zen enthusiast was being shown around a monastery by the Roshi. With increasing surprise, he watched the Roshi bow before a stone here, a gate there, a shrine a little further on in the garden. Finally, when they reached the main Buddha hall and the Roshi bowed reverently before the Buddha image enshrined in it, our Western Zenist could restrain himself no more. I thought you were a Zen man, he exclaimed, and I thought that Zen people had discarded all forms and rituals. In the past, didn't they smash Buddha images and burn them? But you, you go on bowing here and bowing there. I don't understand you. I, on the other hand, have gone beyond such nonsense. I'm through with it. Why, I wouldn't even mind spitting on the Buddha image. Very well, said the Roshi quietly in his inadequate English. You spits, I bows. <laughs>
Wonderful. You spits. I bows. So one last thing. A book just came out called uh, Sitting with Koans, Essential Writings on the Practice of Koan, of Zen Koan Introspection. This was edited by John Dido Lurie. And I have, uh, so I have a section in it that I, from a talk that I gave at Daibosatsu, Everybody's Life, from the Blue Cliff record. But in the introduction, in the foreword, actually, uh, by Tom Kirshner, a monk who's been living in Japan for some time, he speaks about one of the contributions by Victor Sogen Hori. You know Hori's work on the Zenrin Kushu. Hori stresses that koan work, like all Buddhist practices, is ultimately concerned with attaining the religious ideals of awakened wisdom and selfless compassion. If the essentially religious nature of the training is not understood, then the central reason for these training methods has been missed. So, when they ask you, is Zen a religion? What will you say? Matters. It matters. Yes and no. No and yes. <laughs>